as I start off here um, with this message today, you know, um, there's institutions and traditions that we hold dear to ourselves as Americans as, and as, as people in societies that are under attack and under assault. I think all of us would agree, would agree with that. Um, one of them is prayer in schools. We know that the, the, the prayer in schools has been removed for the most part, and um, that, that is something that's, that, that, that's under attack. Um, standing for the national anthem, we know that that's a thing that we hold dear as Americans to honor, honor the American flag. Um, that, that, that is under assault. And of course, the Bill of Rights, which is the first 10 amendments to the Constitution, are in jeopardy. And um, the very, just the first two of them, and it's amazing what the First Amendment says here. I'm going to read it. It says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. That's what we're doing here this morning. Or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press. Or the right of the people peacefully to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. That, that was under attack the last two years for us to peacefully assemble was under, was under a direct assault. That's the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States. The Second Amendment says a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. <laughs> that's pretty clear. That's not, that's not difficult for us to understand, and that, that too is under assault. That, that's under attack. That, 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 there's, there's an attempt, an organized effort to try to, to, try to disassemble the, the Constitution and the first two amendments, and there's, there's probably others that, that are under attack. So we often talk of defending the Constitution, and as we should, I believe it is a document that, we, that, that, that America stands on as a foundation of the principles and values that we, that we believe in, and it's worthy of our defense. It's worthy of us defending that. But, but there is, however, an institution that is already in peril, and its demise has a far greater consequence than the repeal of any of the amendments to the Constitution. The fact that it has, that it, that it has endured testifies to its supernatural origin. The institution of the family is under an all-out assault. The family, above all else, is not is not only worthy of defending, the success of civilization itself is tied to its survival. So I titled the message today, Defending the Institution of the Family. Defending the Institution of the Family. You know, this is a battle worth engaging. If, if we're going to pick a fight, let's pick this fight. This is a fight worth engaging in. And if I had to choose one that was worthy of my time and my energy and my sacrifice, the defense of the family would be at the top of the list. That would be something that I would get out there and fight for, you know, in, in, in its defense. So in preparation of this message, I gathered some, some excerpts um, from prominent men defending family values. You know, there's men, there's organizations, Christian men, Christian organizations that have organized in defense of the family. And thank God that these men have done that, that they have given their education, their time, their energy, their money to stand in defense of the family. And we should be thankful that they've done that that men are willing to stand and defend that. But there's a man named Paul David Tripp. He's a part of an organization called Stronger Families, Stronger Societies, and he said this. In the family, life is brought not only to our doorstep, but into our kitchens, bedrooms, and dens. In the family, life is happening all around us, and it begs to be questioned, evaluated, interpreted, and discussed. There is no more consistent, pregnant, dynamic form for instruction about life than the family. 
because that is exactly what God designed the family to be, a learning community. William Bennett, also known as Bill Bennett, some of you may re you'd recognize him if you saw his face, but he was a, a former United States Secretary of Education, I think under uh, President Ronald Reagan. He said, the family is the nucleus of civilization and the basic social unit of society. Aristotle wrote that the family is nature's established association for the supply of mankind's everyday wants. If we have stronger families, we will have stronger schools, stronger churches, and stronger communities with less poverty and less crime. The family is the linchpin of society, both economically and socially. And the many of you are familiar with Dr. James Dotson, Focus on the Family. He's, he's been a, a, a fighter uh, for his whole life. He's, that, that's, his, that's the name of his, his focus on the family. That's what he's done. And this is what he said. He said, the institution of the family is one of the creator's most marvelous and enduring gifts to humankind. And then he had a, he had a guest on one of, his show named, one of his shows named Howard Hendrick, and he said this. I believe we need to remind ourselves periodically that one of the involatile historical facts is that no society, no culture has ever survived the fragmentation of its family life. And I believe the family today is unraveling like a cheap sweater. The collapse of every civilization has always been preceded by the unraveling of marriage and the family. And isn't that so true? I thought those were so right on target to describe really the the importance that, that we value in the families. But, but make no mistake about it, what we're seeing in the, in the, uh, in the assault, in the attack on the, on the family is a direct attack on God's creative design. And I'm going to show you this, that, that you know, we, and, I, and I didn't really recognize this at first, but, you know, we sit back and we look at all the different things that are happening in the world today, we just think, well, that's just by chance, it just happens to be that that's what they're against, you know, the different things I'm going to mention here. And it just so happens to be like, that's just accidental. No, it's not accidental. It's deliberate. It's, it's, it's coordinated and it's deliberate and it's targeted directly against God and God's creative design. And I'm going to show you this um, in just a second here. Um, Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28 says, um, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then a little bit further down in chapter 2, verse 24, it says, That is why a man leaves his wife and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. So I'm going to show you how the, that there has been a targeted dismantling of these scriptures here in Genesis. God's, God's blueprint, God's definition, God's design for the family is under, is, under direct, is under direct assault. And I don't know if we have that next slide, Ruby, that comes up here. This is it here, that God's, God's creative design, I wanted to put those side by side, but I guess they didn't fit onto the screen, the next, the next side. That, that's fine, but... But God's design is God, God created everything. We know the Bible says at the very beginning, and just in the beginning, God created. God, God created everything, and that God created two genders. It says, says this here in, 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 in verse 27 of Genesis chapter 1. He created them male and female. God's command was to multiply, and then marriage, by definition, 
in the Bible, God's design for marriage is one man and one woman. That's what marriage is. That, that's what the definition is. So that next slide, that next slide there, um, if there's a, that there, I wanted to put these side by side, but, but we look at, at, at God's creative design for, God is, God is the creator. God, God created everything. The Bible says God created everything that is seen and that is unseen. So what's the dismantling of God's, God being creator? Evolution, the, the Big Bang Theory, all these different things that people have come up with to, to, to directly come against that God is the creator. And then, then when we look at God created two genders, and, and really we don't need, I don't need science to tell me there's only two genders. I don't, if, I'm a, if, you're a, if you're a human being, you know there's two genders, that we know that. But the Bible says that God created them male and female. So, so the, 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 um, the, the next slide is fine, Ruby. You can leave that other one up and be fine. The, the, the LGBTQ aggression goes against God's, God's creative order. God's very creative design that God created the male and female. Then God, what did God tell Adam and Eve to do? To be fruitful and to multiply. To, go, to, go, to fill the earth, he said. So what, what is the attack on God's design for multiplication? It's abortion and Planned Parenthood. Make no mistake about it, that, that is a direct attack on God's command to tell a husband and a wife to go and produce and multiply and be fruitful and fill the earth with children. That, 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 was, that was God's design. And then the, the marriage, the marriage that, the covenant that God instituted in, the, in, in Genesis was between one man and one woman. So what is the attack, what is the attack on marriage? It's gay marriage. It's, 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 basically re, it's basically just saying, we don't really care what the definition is. We're going to make our own definition. Well, you don't get to do that. It, it, we, we could, I could do that in anything in society. I could take anything that I don't agree with, or I don't like, or I don't understand, or whatever, and I could say, you know what? I don't like that. I'm going to change the definition to, to, to make it what I agree with. It doesn't work that way. By definition... But by definition, marriage is, is between one man and one woman. So all of these things that we, that we have here, um, that we celebrate, the, 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 the institution of the family, marriage, children, all those things, do you understand those are all gifts from God? And I believe all of us who are part of a family, that if you're here today, you are part of a family in one way or another, you would say that that family is a gift. That that brings me joy, it brings me laughter, it brings me excitement. All the things, every, the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from heaven. It comes from God. So when we enjoy these things that God has given us, remember that God is, the, is a designer. He is the one who, who has given us all these things. So, so let's just break these things down here and see what, what it is and, and how the world and society is dismantling the, the design and the blueprint that God has for the family. We know that God is the supreme creator. Upon this one truth, everything else is sustained. We have to understand that the, the one truth, that not only that God is creator, but there's only one God. There's only one. I don't care how many people worship and sacrifice and do all these things for other gods. They're false gods. There's only, he's, his name is Jehovah. The Bible says, Jehovah, the Lord our God, is one. So, 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 so the, this one truth, everything else is sustained. Once you remove that one truth from society, everything falls, it collapses. It falls apart because that is, what, that is what we are built on, the truth that there is one God. 
And there's only one. His name is Jesus. When mankind refuses to acknowledge the truth that there is only one God and He is Jehovah, the Lord of all, man then substitutes the true God for false gods. And that's what we see. We've rejected the fact that there's only one God. So what man has done is they, they have substituted another God. Whatever that God is, materialism, uh, sexism, all these different things that we've replaced God with because we've rejected the one and only God. Evolution, false religion, idol worship, those are all first God, false gods. The book of Romans says man has exchanged the truth of God for a lie. That's what we've done. We, 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 we've exchanged the truth that there's only one God, and Romans tells us that the, that the evidence that there's only one God will be overwhelming. It will be overwhelming. Creation itself will testify that there's only one God. That you'll have to be like basically blind not to know that there's only one God. It will be impossible for you not to know that. But we've exchanged the truth that God is one, that God, there's only one God. And the Bible says we, ex we exchange that for a lie. When God is removed from society, man is left to become his own God. Hence the chaos we find in our nation and our world today. This is where we're at today. That you, you look at te the television, you see all the craziness that's happened all around us, and you scratch your head, and you wonder, how did we get here? Well, here's how we got here. We rejected God. We told God, we don't want you. We don't believe in you. We don't need you. We've removed, we basically said, God, we, 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 don't, we, we, we push you away, God. We don't want you. So guess what you left? There's a vacuum that's left now. And guess what's left? All the chaos that you see happening today. Because you've rejected God. We've said no prayer, no Bible. But heaven help us if we teach the Bible in school. We can teach everything else, but don't teach the Bible. Oh, th that would be the worst thing you could ever do. And now this is what we're left with. This is what we have. And then we look at the LGBTQ movement. That is a direct assault on the clear, distinctive, creative design for two genders. That, 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 that God has made that clear. That's male and female. It's an aggressive attack seeking to undermine the truth that God created male and female. See, we look at that and we sit back and we say, well, that's really, you know, it doesn't affect me. That's not part of my life. I don't agree with that. But if someone else wants to do that or they want to teach that or whatever, that's fine. No, it's not fine. It goes against God. It goes against who God, who, God's creative order and God's creative design. It's a direct In other words, man is not satisfied. We're not satisfied with what God has given us. So we're, we're going to redesign and recreate what God has done. It doesn't work that way. It's a direct attack on what God, what, what God has, has done for us. So just by me speaking this today invites accusation that I hate the LGBTQ community, and I don't. I, I, love, I, love, I love them. I, I love people just as Christ love people. But the, the, the media and, and society has turned it around to make it look like if a pastor gets behind a pulpit like I'm doing this morning and I'm speaking these things, the media says we hate. No, I don't hate. I hate the fact that you are going against God's creative order and God's creative design. The Bible calls it sin. That's not what I call That's what God calls it. But thank you that Jesus loves the sinner. The Bible says that God came for the sinner. We love, we love them. We love them. We, we love them. So I can both... See, the love of Jesus can never become an excuse to compromise the truth. I, I can't just say, well, because I love, 
then it's okay for you to behave and, and live the way you want to live. It doesn't work that way. But I can both love you and at the same time stand on the side of truth. God created us male and female. And we should not be ashamed of that. That's the truth. Amen. Lee and Rachel went recently to one of the, uh, the, the uh, school board meetings where they were trying to put in, in the curriculum and in books into schools young, young children to teach that, 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 that it was okay to, to, to be anything you want to be, transgender, whatever you want to be, this was okay. They want to teach our children this. It's not okay. But, I'm, but what I want to point out this morning is it's, it's a direct assault on God. It's not an accident. It's not just accidental that this is what they, 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 they choose to do. No. It, it, th- th- that those, those scriptures I read in Genesis is a direct assault on what God created and his, and his design. And then what did God say? He said, be fruitful and multiply. Abortion is the world's weapon preventing God's command to multiply. It's a direct assault on increase. God told Adam and Eve to increase, to be fruitful, to multiply. And what I love about the the command that God gives us as parents, there's no limit. In other words, God never said, have five children and that's enough. Have ten, that's enough. Have three. Be fruitful and multiply. That's like unlimited amount. That God God has just given us just the the permission and authority to just be blessed and be fruitful in Jesus' name. We, we, should, we should promote life. We, we should promote multiplication and increase. That should be promoted in society today. See, abortion releases and endorses a spirit of murder. That's what we've done. We, we give it the word abortion, but it's not. It's murder. So we, we've basically said as a nation, murder is okay. No, it's not. It's not okay. It's wrong. It's, it, it's sin. The Bible says that God hates the shedding of innocent blood. God hates that. Since Roe v. Wade was passed in 1973, it is estimated, listen to this, we, we just we fall asleep every night, we, 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 do, we live our lives, we go to work, we go to school, we do all these things, and we act like none of these things are even happening. And I, I stand as part of that guilt. I stand, with, I stand at that. But we live our lives like, that, like this is not even occurring, that, it's, that, that this doesn't even exist because we don't physically see it happening. But it's estimated over 63 million babies have been murdered. 63 million. That's happening today in our society. And we live as if, as if it doesn't occur, that, that it's not even happening. Many people see abortion as a political issue. Therefore, the church should stay out of it. Well, murder is not a political issue. It's a God issue. That, that's not political. Since when did taking the life of an innocent, defenseless baby become political? That, 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 that's God's issue. That, that belongs in the church. That, that's something that the church should be defending, that the church should, should be fighting for. That, that's our agenda to take hold of. There's, there's pastors, uh, Brother Bill Mayer, when he joined this church, he said that there was pastors that he confronted that would not mention abortion and pro-life issues from the pulpit. And, and he was kind of like so excited that we were not, I'm not ashamed of that. Why do I have to apologize for that? What am I afraid of? I'm not afraid of anything. I'm standing for life. I, I'm proud of that. What, what's wrong with that? 
how can you, how can you, what, what, what can you accuse me of? I, I love life. I, I think children are precious. E- even in the womb, they're precious. Why, why, should we, why should we cower and go in the corner and say, I don't know if I should come out? No, we love life. I've heard it said, you, you, we should all be thankful that our parents were pro-life. You should be thankful for that. You wouldn't be here today. There's nothing to be ashamed of. We should be excited for that. Abortion is a direct attack on God's creative design to be fruitful and multiply. It removes the seed. The, 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 the baby in the womb is God's seed. That's the seed of multiplication. And when you take the baby out of the womb, you kill God's seed. That, that's what you've done. And then marriage. God, God said marriage was not man's idea. You ever thought about that? We, we didn't come up with the, with the design and the idea of marriage. God did. The family unit, the marriage, that was God's design. His beautiful, beautiful design for us to bless us. That was, that was God's design for us. God is the architect of marriage and the family. We don't get to choose the meaning and definition of marriage. That's already been done for us by God. It's in the Bible. That's what marriage is. The erosion of the meaning of marriage is detrimental to every facet of society. Dr. James Dobson said, to put it concisely, marriage represents the very foundation of human social order. Everything of value sits on that base. Institutions, governments, prosperity, religious liberty, and the welfare of children are all dependent on its stability. When it is weakened or undermined, the entire superstructure begins to wobble. And that's what we're seeing today. We, we see crime and, and all these different things that, that is happening in our society. We wonder why, what's the breakdown? I'll tell you what, the, the, the breakdown is families. Not, and not just our idea of family, God's design, God's blueprint for families. That, that's, that's what the breakdown is in society. So when we look at all these things that are happening today, we, we need to ask ourselves, what can I do to defend the institution of the family? You know, we can sit back and we can say, well, those things seem like, they seem like monumental, like, like there's something all of us can do that you can do, that you can do like now. Like you don't have to go to school, go get educated. You can do these things now. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will hear, heal their land. The first thing is this, you can pray. Now, I'm not sure why this is, but, but even Christians are guilty of the phrase, the least I can do is pray. You might have said that before. Or you've at least heard someone, you've, you've said, the least, I can, the least I can do is pray. No, the greatest, most powerful, life-changing thing you can do is exercise your God-given privilege to pray. It's not the least we do, it's the greatest we do. It's, it's the least we do as far as praying, but it's not the least we do as far as power. It's the most powerful thing we do. So don't ever say it's the least we do. It's the most powerful thing we do. The devil is trying to blind us and prevent us from understanding how powerful prayer really is. But that's the most powerful thing we do. Don't place it to the bottom and say we'll do everything else and oh yeah, by the way, let's pray. No, prayer needs to be at the top. That needs to be the first thing that we do. Not the last. That needs, that needs to be the first thing. 
But if you look at the scripture, that passage there in 2 Chronicles there, what's the most important word? In the, you can stay in the first part of that, Ruby, be fine. Go back. Oh, that's it there. What's the most important word in that whole passage? If. if. You probably heard me tell you that before. <laughs> what? Why is that so important? Because everything else in that verse hinges on that first word. If. God knew if. If my people pray. If my people seek my face. If my people are willing to cry out to me and humble themselves. Then. Then will I do all these other things. But everything that God promises in that verse is hinged on one word. If. And only you and I can answer the if. Am I I the if that God said, if my people I pray, I pray that, that, that I'm the if. See, God, God, notice what God says. God doesn't say, I might. He says, I will. I will heal your land. That's God's promise to us if we pray. So imagine what, what we would see change if we heeded this one scripture. Just imagine that. If we really heeded that one scripture in the Bible and did what God is asking us to do. But I'm here to tell you, prayer is working. Since Roe v. Wade was passed in 1973, groups have assembled, people have organized, Christians have gotten together, men behind the scenes, I mean mighty mighty giants, mighty men of God have gotten behind the scenes and they have fought for the pro-life issue. They have fought against Planned Parenthood and against the government and against all the things that stand against God's life. Thank you, Jesus, men were willing to stand. And I'm here to tell you the winds, the winds of overturning Roe v. Wade is blowing in our direction. The, 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 the God has heard our prayers and the wind is blowing and because, because of men like Bill Shanks he's right, right there in Kenner he gave his whole life gray hair the man's, he's probably in his 80s he's still giving his life for the pro-life movement men like Keith Tusi and, and Brother Rad Aguiloid and a man I just met uh, a bro, bro, Brother Gene Mills um, these men these men have fought and given their life and energy and effort and education and time and money to fight against this murderous spirit in our land. And it looks like it is finally beginning to be lifted. And if you read the excerpts from the, from the Supreme Court, this, they, Mississippi came and brought a law that, that, that came against the Roe v. Wade, and there's another uh, Casey verse than, uh, 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 that, that was in 1992. Both of those are in jeopardy. And if you read the excerpts from the justices, especially the conservative ones, it looks like they were in a position to knock it down or to at least weaken it in Jesus' name and bring it back to the states and let the states do what the states are called to do. Don't force the state to do something the state doesn't want to do. Louisiana stands for life. We're a pro-life state. And we're proud to be one. Bring it back to the states. But we got to keep praying, though. Because even if Roe v. Wade is overturned, abortion is not going to go away. It is still going to rear its ugly head. The church has got to pray. I'm telling you, it's time for the church to stand up and, and just get in our hands and faces and knees before God and cry out to God. God, heal, heal our land, God. God, lift off this spirit of murder, Father, from our land. I believe when abortion is released, we're going to see murder go down in this country. I really believe that in Jesus' name. But the church has to be at least willing to pray. Think of this. This is just something for you to consider. And I'm stupid. I don't understand all this kind of stuff. Why is it illegal to kill certain animals, including turtles, but legal to take a human life? I need somebody to sit me down and explain that to me because I do not understand that. I want to know that. That there's certain animals that, 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 that are protected. They're, they're, they're protected. But the, but the baby's not protected? I don't understand that. Consider this. 
Why is abortion called removing a fetus, but a pregnant woman who was murdered, that's called a double homicide? Why? Why? I, I, need, I need to know that. How do you reconcile the two? How can you say it's one thing, but then in another, in another setting you say it's different? It, it's a baby. It's a life. We've proven that, that that's what that is. Then here's the next thing we can do in Deuteronomy. It says, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The second thing we can do is practice. We can practice. We, we must put the word of God into practice by obeying all the Lord has commanded us to do. God is calling the church to stand up and, and, and hold the standard of what the Bible says for us to do. We are called the salt and light of the world. So what can we do to honor God's word? We, we can honor marriage. We can honor the covenant of marriage by abstaining from immorality. The only place that the Bible gives for permission of sex is this, in the Bible. I mean, in, in marriage. That's it. That's the only place. If you're married and you have sex, that's adultery. Any, any, any sex outside of marriage is sin. That, that's not what I say. That's what God says. But that's God's blessing and his protection over his creation. That's God's created design. That's his order that God, that God has given us. So what can we do to honor the marriage covenant? Well, we can honor that ourselves if we're married. Obviously, that, that's something that, that I can do. But I, we, we cannot support or condone living together outside of marriage. This erodes God's design. That erodes that, and it's, it's amazing how acceptable that has come today in our society. And, I, and I've noticed this as a Christian. I, I, I watch, I, I pay attention. And I've noticed that it, it used to be outside the church, that that was only accepted outside the church, never inside the church. But then all of a sudden, as I begin to get older as a Christian, I begin to listen to people speak, Christians, people who claim to be Christians. I begin to hear them say what, and I begin to hear them condone living together. And I'm like, when did God's word change? When did, when did, God's, when did the word of God ever change? It never did. That, 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 that's what God says. Then we can love and train our children. See, I've noticed a decline for having children to marry couples. You may have noticed this, but, but I've noticed this. That, that not only abortion is removing the seed, but, but it, it seems like society is looking down on couples for having children. That's right. That's right. I thought when you got married, that was one of the main reasons why you did, right. was to have children, <laughs> to be blessed, to have a family. But it's like couples now, it's like they don't want to have children. I'm like, why? Right. I don't know what, I don't know what, I, I haven't really put my finger yet on what the exact reason for that is. But I can tell you that, 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 it, that it's happening in our society today. The Bible says, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are, son, are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Full of them. That's your blessing. Be fruitful and multiply, the Bible says. Be, be fruitful. There's no limit, God says, to, to, to have children. And then just what we did today, this morning, with this, with this baby dedication... God has given us the responsibility as parents to train and raise our children into the ways of the Lord. That's what you can do to stop the onslaught of the attack on the, on the family is train your children in the ways of God. Train and teach them what the Bible says. Then we can honor the position God has given us in the marriage. 
Not only does God give us the blueprint for what a marriage is, but God also gives us the order of marriage. The Bible says that husbands are the head. That means the husband carries the responsibility of leading their family. Husbands, you have the responsibility of leading your family, leading them, leading them in the home, leading them in the financial situations, leading them in the, leading them in the church, leading them in understanding the ways of God. That's the head. That's the husband's responsibility. And then we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. The Bible says, and wives are to obey and respect your husbands as you obey the Lord. We must practice God's design for the, for the family. Parents need to show their children and others that God's way provides safety, security, stability, and blessings when obeyed. We need, we need to present to society a godly uh, family. Like, show the world this is, this is God's design. And show them that it's blessed, it's fruitful, it's, it's, it's great the way God has done this. And then the last thing is this in Proverbs 24. It says, rescue those who are unjustly sentenced to death. Don't stand back and let them die. Don't try to disclaim responsibility by saying you didn't know about it. For God who knows all hearts knows yours, and he knows you knew. And he will reward everyone according to his deeds. The next thing we can do is we can proclaim. The Bible says we cannot claim ignorance to the truth. We can't just sit back and say, you know what? I don't, really understand, I don't really know about this abortion issue. Yes, you do. We know, we know more about it today than we've ever knew. And we can't just sit back and claim ignorance that we don't know anything. We know. We, we know that this is happening. It's happening in our society today. We can't sit back. We are, we are responsible for, for what we do with the truth. We must proclaim the truth about abortion and marriage. We must stand for life. Stand, stand for truth in what God says. Christians are called to defend the word of God to unashamedly stand on the side of truth pertaining to every matter of life, including marriage and the family. That's what we do. We, 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 we support truth. We support the Word of God. We proclaim this is what the Word of God says to our friends, to our neighbors, to our families. I'm not ashamed of that. You might have friends or family that's maybe not living according to the truth of God. We, we don't condemn them. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not judging you. God's the judge. I'm simply sharing with you this is... This is the word of God. And I'm not ashamed of that. We need to proclaim the truth of what, of what the word of God says. We can, support, we, we can support crisis pregnancy centers. There's one right here in, in Covington, the North Lake Crisis Pregnancy Center. And, and, and as I was reading about the things that are happening with this Roe v. Wade, and, and, and this is going to happen, it's gonna, the, the women are not going to have a place to go now. Some of them are going to cross state lines and they're going to, they're going to go to another state to have an abortion, but it's going, to, it's, it's going to force them into these crisis pregnancy centers. And I believe the church needs to be in a position to help them, to support them. So I, I want to reach out to, to Sister Carmen over there and just, just say, look, we're, we're, we're ready. We're poised and ready to help you. You just pick up the phone and call me and let me know what do you need. When these women come, I don't know what it's going to take, but we need to step up and say, now we've told you not to have an abortion, now we need to be willing to help you. What can we do to help you now? That's the church's responsibility. That's what God has called us to do. But maybe some of these things that I've talked about here this morning, you've, you've crossed the line with them, maybe you've messed up. There may be somebody in this congregation, maybe you've had an abortion. I'm here to tell you it's not too late for you. That God stands ready to forgive his mercies are new every morning, the Bible says. Great is his faithfulness. His, his loving kindness reaches to the heavens, God says. His mercies are new every morning. 
God stands ready to forgive stands ready to forgive you. It's not too late for you. Maybe you're not following God's design for the family. It's not too late to start now. Amen. It's never too late to say, you know what, we need to get this stuff right. We need to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It begins with honoring God first, with placing God first. But there's forgiveness and reconciliation at the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. We all can quote John 3.16, but many of us forget that 17, I believe, is just as valuable. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus didn't come to condemn you. He came to love you. Thank you, Jesus, because all of us, all of us were worthy of condemnation. We were all sinners, the Bible says. But thank you, Jesus, that he didn't come to condemn. He came to love. And that's what he's done. He came to forgive you and heal you. So I'm just going to ask you just to stand to your feet.